so it's not so much doing doing more with less within the technology team but it's it's actually making sure that we're making best use of the investments we've we've got today we're looking at the challenge faced by many more traditional businesses coming in and then out of the pandemic we're talking to alex from lewis silkin a legal firm who've had to transition from being a big small organization to being a small big organization And whilst we've got you, we're also going to talk a little bit about Boycott Your Bed and the technology industry coming together for a much greater purpose. This is Tech Talks, your weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by Nash Squared, where we bring you interviews with leaders from across our sector. Joining me on the podcast today, we've got Amber. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, thanks. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. Recording early on a Tuesday. How's your week started? It's been all right, actually. Um... I went to the office yesterday, which I find if I go into the office on a Monday, it always sets me up really well for the week. So, yeah, it's, it's all good. Just a quick thing mm. uh, on the technology, consumer technology front, before we talk about anything serious. I, I noticed today another advert for another Samsung flip phone, these folding phones. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. I imagine we're going to get lots of consumer tech shoved down our throats now pretty soon. Or they'll all be kind of announcing <laughs> the latest models and the latest platforms, whatever else, because, of course, now that the schools are back and it's September, uh, attention will inevitably start focusing on Christmas. Oh, God, I know. And somebody said the other day, <laughs> it's 16 weeks. Like, it's really not long at all. Why is it that as soon as the holidays are over, it's always this massive countdown? I know. And there's always, like, all the stuff gets straight into the shops. But then that's the same with Easter. Like, two days after Christmas, they bring all the Easter eggs in. Like, I just... I know. I don't know. We're looking to cycle, aren't we? They just don't let us get out of it. <laughs> anyway, that aside, we've got... Uh, an episode with a, with a couple of different features in it today. We've got a main interview, which is with Alex Cito Lewis Silkin. We'll hand over to that in a moment. Uh, and then we've got a very short interview with a colleague, with Carolina from our Newcastle office, who's taking part in Boycott Your Bed. So just a little bit about that and the cause that um, Carolina and 13 others are raising money for in a couple of weeks' time. But we'll start off with our usual interview. That's Alex Cito Lewis Silkin, as I said, and we'll be back in a moment. Today, I'm talking to Alex Bazin, the Chief Technology Officer at Lewis Silken. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Uh, enjoying your week? I mean, we had some rain finally yesterday. It was, uh, yeah, it was it was biblical in, in central London yesterday. I was in the office. Um, yeah, but good week, busy, you know, wide range of stuff going on, everything mm-hmm. from security through to you know new offices and and then lots of lots of new systems and new technologies we're working on as well the kind of challenges that many organizations are facing right now yeah absolutely trying to move offices where we're still in this sort of post-pandemic how does hybrid working shape up for people uh kind of kind of world and and you know feeling our way through it like i think everyone else is absolutely now, look, um, I don't want to make the assumption that everyone will be familiar with Lewis Silkin. So before we get get any further into the conversation, do you just want to explain who Lewis Silkin are? Uh, yeah, Lewis Silkin are a mid-sized uh, city law firm. We're really well known for our employment work uh, and also for our work within the creative sectors, um, particularly in intellectual property. And I would imagine being in, involved in employment work the last couple of years has been pretty busy it's uh, it's been very busy lots of interesting new challenges uh you know everything from obviously in the height of covid 
a lot of you know a lot of uh, changes going on there providing advice on how people could be safe and secure in in their working and then post covid all of these firms grappling with hybrid and and remote work and and being able to work from anywhere and and how we're kind of navigating that as a, as a as an industry is is very interesting but you joined the firm about a year into the pandemic just over a year into the pandemic yeah so i've i've been with the firm i think 14 15 months now uh so entirely remote join entirely remote interview process um we're moving office so in my first week i was being asked to make decisions about um some of the technology choices in in the future office and i was like i haven't even seen the current office yet uh so someone very helpfully who was who was going in uh did a quick video tour of our of our uh, of our current premises but yes um now back sort of a couple of days a week um, in in a hybrid uh, in a hybrid mode. Now you think of a, of a law firm, and immediately maybe this is just my misspent youth, but I think of kind of Tom Cruise films from the early nineties, based on John Grisham novels. And <laughs> that's kind of default. That's what a law firm is, right? Um, and obviously that's perhaps slightly unfair or unkind, but I know from from our conversations prior to hitting record, kind of. There was an element of technology being rolled out just before the pandemic, which in hindsight was very good timing. How much of a journey has the firm had to, to have been on from perhaps more traditional views of what a law firm is to where you are today? It, it's a journey that continues. So absolutely, we've um, we've been investing in our technology through, you know, through just the, the months before the pandemic and and that was very fortuitous that we were well set up for uh home and remote work um into the into the early days of the pandemic but as we've as we've come back uh from the pandemic continuing to to invest in making sure that people who are in uh in the office and people who who are working remotely are still able to communicate collaborate um a lot of that is not just the technologies, but it's also the the human factors that that go around those technologies. Uh, that's that's really critical. But beyond just the kind of getting stuff done in terms of uh, email and Teams calls and uh, and phones and everything else, it's actually about how do you start using technology to make our legal professionals' lives easier and more efficient. Uh, there's a real shortage of, of talent in the uh, in the legal market at the moment. Um, you may have seen salaries are really driving up because of that. And we want to make sure that that our, um, our legal professionals are able to focus on the interesting bits of the job that they joined the law to do and not spend a lot of time, you know, bundling documents or, or searching through through to find information and so using technologies you know be it ai or other other technologies to help support them in that and and be as efficient and effective and and enjoy their roles as much as possible is is kind of part of that technology journey as well i have interviewed uh organizations coming in disrupting legal um and, and kind of offering legal tech platforms on, on the podcast before and you've kind of mentioned ai there there is this idea that ai can come in and i suppose 
lifts some of the more menial tasks that junior lawyers have to do and allows them to to focus at the same time that might shrink the numbers of opportunities perhaps but with shrinking opportunities or shrinking opportunities in terms of the number of jobs at the bottom of the industry i suppose there's a clearer path of progression because there's less competition as you, as you go through your career i suppose it could be affecting all numbers of different facets of of your career journey and what even those tasks and you know what 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 the generation before you did versus what you're doing how, how is technology changing the role of a lawyer I, I don't think it shrinks the number of lawyers at the bottom of the uh, at the bottom of the pyramid. Um, what it does is it lets them focus on the more creative work, the more interesting work, and really focus on the value they can deliver. Um, there are not enough lawyers to go around. It's you know it's an area that's that's hugely in demand. It varies by practice area, but but pretty much across the board, um, it's it's a challenging. Uh, uh, market at the moment and so we want to make sure that our lawyers spend their, and, and other legal professionals spend as much time as possible doing the work that's you know of value for our clients and is interesting to them and you know a really simple example is you know case chronologies we you know we might have a matter come up where there's a whole pile of documents that come across some emails some PDFs, some Word documents, various things, and somebody needs to put those in a chronological order to help, you know, as we as we go, you know, further through through the matter to help organise that and be able to say, right, well, this person emailed this person here, and then they had this phone call here, and then this happened, and then this happened, and traditionally that was uh, work that a legal professional. Uh, or, or one of their assistants would sit down and have to do manually. Now you can use AI to at least do a first sort of that and then review it and and pull out the salient details and, and use your brain power to actually you know, extract value from that and you know, that data. Um, I don't think anyone would argue that that was something that people would feel disappointed that they don't have to do anymore for, for you know chunk of their day and especially where it's tight turnarounds on some of these things that can be di very disruptive so actually some of these technologies that can automate those very time intensive tasks actually really helps with work-life balance as well because people aren't having to stay up late and work weekends to try and crunch through some of that stuff that they would have had to in the past. How how much can be automated? I mean, if I think back to my university days, if I, if I think back to my friends who studied law, they had to try and memorize and remember all sorts of different precedent from cases going back kind of 40, 50 years. I mean, is there a case that AI could, you know, we, everyone talks about AI taking away jobs in, in accountancy and whatever else. I'm, I'm not suggesting it's going to take away the, the role of a lawyer, but how is it practically kind of um, disrupting, I suppose, the way that lawyers work? I think it supports lawyers in being able to get to the right information a lot more quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so if you look at, at some of the, the library services providers that, that, that we work with, you know, their tools, once upon a time, that was just, here's some textbooks, some of those, you know, reference books, some of those are online, 
you can read them online, great. Now they have really good data maps so that you can explore and you can click through to a particular you know, area of law and then it will click through to you know the cases that are maybe the most relevant or the most recent. And then you can click through to that, you know, click through and click through and keep kind of exploring and expanding your area of search. And that can be because of you know, some of the newer search technologies that can be quite personalized to that particular fear, oh, so that particular uh, legal professional. And so from that perspective, you know, it might be that you're putting in the same search term uh, around a particular, you know, legal problem. But if you're working in corporate, the kind of information that you're looking for might be very different to the kind of um, information you're looking for if you're an employment lawyer, even if the search term might be quite similar. And so you can start personalizing that data uh, to relevant, you know, practice areas, etc. I suppose the interesting question from a CTO's perspective is how involved in that kind of work in the law firm are you? Is it a case that I suppose there's there's a fear perhaps that lawyers might get excited with software or tools that they see out there and this whole idea of ghost ghost technology coming into an organization. I suppose at the same time you've got to kind of go, all right, what what where where should we spend our money? What's actually gonna practically improve the experience our our legal professionals have um whilst keeping the environment secure, whilst keeping it um you know, performing in, in a way that, that's that's kind of giving everyone the same kind of level of opportunity, et cetera. Is, is, it, is it a supporting role or are you more kind of going out there and looking at how you can create value for the, for the professionals? So it's a little bit of both. Um, we're very business case driven. So we encourage our legal professionals to come to us with problem areas rather than with a specific tool in mind so that we can help scan the market understand what our existing partners uh, already provide. Sometimes it's just actually helping people use some of the tools we already have more effectively. Sometimes we need to get a new tool in and 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 that's that's great. And you know, we understand the value, you know, we really try and work to understand the value that, that will that will drive. Will it help us do more with less? Will it open up a new new market area for us? Uh, will it allow us to have great, you know, give our clients greater certainty on the costs of of the matters that they're bringing to us? So there's there's a number of factors on how does that business benefit get quantified. But we do try and be very um, business problem led in the technology choices we make. You say they do more with less. Again, when we were chatting prior to hitting record, you said that the, the firm's kind of gone from a transition of being a big, small firm to a small, big firm. I suppose doing more with less is kind of um, a, a, a fairly accurate um, representation of that, right? It's it's managing the growth of, you know, of the support functions like technology in proportion to the firm. So there's there's a... It, technology is an increasingly important part of 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 the legal market um so we're continuing to you know my team's continuing to grow the investment in technology is continuing to grow but we want that to you know be in keeping with the the growth ambitions of the firm and as we kind of grow and expand our you know our offerings and everything else 
I certainly am not running ahead of of that, but I'm trying to you know constrain constrain those that that technology investment to be proportionate. Um, so it's not so much doing doing more with less within the technology team, but it's it's actually making sure that we're making best use of the investments we've we've got. Yeah, I can certainly see that if it's difficult to find lawyers and there aren't enough out there and your business is expanding for very obvious reasons, the firm might actually be staying in terms of pure numbers of people kind of relatively similar, but the technology offers scope to do more and more and actually working out where that investment goes. It's interesting you talk about proportional investment. It must be challenging. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if we can give our our legal professionals time back to to focus on higher value value tasks that that our clients really want us to do rather than some of some of the more data processing type tasks that they they may have done once uh once upon a time that that's a win for everyone you know our our clients get better value from us we you know we get better value from our from our legal professionals and our legal professionals get to do the work that they really want to do rather than the the dull work that kind of has to be done you mentioned their clients and client expectations. How, how are those expectations changing? They're becoming much faster. I, I think the, I, I don't know how much of this it predates the pandemic and how much of it is a result of the pandemic, but um, communication technology now means that, you know, the speed of information exchange is just that much quicker. And so the expectation of, of uh, turning around information is that much quicker as well uh, and so we we absolutely need to support that our, our clients i think expect much more visibility of the work we're doing and and so the ability to provide client portals where a general counsel can log in and see every single matter that we're working on uh, for them uh, at any given point across all of their you know across all of their business lines uh, and where we are with that that's something that you know, a couple of years ago wouldn't have been routine and now is routine. Um, so so there's definitely more transparency, more visibility uh, from our clients. They want to work with us differently. Uh, they, they want different fee arrangements, different um, models. We've got a, uh, a sub-brand called Rockhopper, which is a subscription uh, employment law service for, for small to medium-sized businesses. And that's really, really popular because for those kind of businesses, they want certainty of cost. They want a subscription every month that they can then go to us and use to answer ad hoc queries, deal with you know new contracts or or, or those sorts of things. Uh, but that also comes with access to a knowledge base that you know and templates that that they can use. Um, and although it isn't the same as a traditional um, you know, employment law relationship, they have access to really great legal professionals um, who, who are operating on a, you know, a lot of them on a part-time basis. So it's been a way for us to retain staff, you know, who might have taken a career break in the past, they're able to work with us part-time and, and still support a really interesting wide range of, of clients. Uh, based on these kind of new models. It, it's not all about the technology, but you couldn't have done that without having some good technology to underpin that interaction with clients. 
last last point then you mentioned there that it's not all about technology far far earlier in the interview you talked about the need for uh, communication and collaboration how is tech going to work hand in hand with with the teams with legal professionals providing the environment for people to thrive while still opening you know still making sure that that you are moving forward as a firm and and, and meeting your ambitions i think tech will be an underpinning kind of fabric for how we collaborate it it already is and that will get better um it's it's trying to to manage that you know we're we're moving offices and and that will be as as a new office every meeting room will be hybrid because the expectation is that that's how we engage with people uh these days um we're trying to really support our staff to make best use of the investments we have in our collaboration tools um at, and that that will continue who knows where we'll we'll go from uh, go from here the law society released a report earlier this week around neurotechnology in in the law which which was very interesting i think it's you know still probably five ten years away but we will see new technologies come along it, it won't just be desktops and, and mobile phones i think we're interested to see kind of how that you know how that hybrid world uh, evolves and you know in the future well, look, it's been really interesting to to listen to how technology is impacting something that a lot of people might still think of or perceive as, as quite a traditional sector um, and how the pandemic has affected it is continuing to affect it. So I really appreciate you giving up some time to, to join us today. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. All right, but what, what jumped out here? What he was saying about like their preparation around like COVID and how they kind of had to automate because... I think when we we think of obviously how everyone had to adapt during the pandemic, I think for me personally, I look at it from my kind of personal perspective of, you know, having to bring my laptop home, having to work from home, which was something I didn't really do beforehand. But I guess when you look at it on the mass kind of scale that he's having to think about, he's having to look at it from everybody's personal perspective, what they need, what they don't have, what they already have in place. Um, as he said about, you know, adapting to, like an office move when he hadn't actually gone to the first office and and been around that already. So, yeah, I think that was the main thing. It's just like how much of a transition it was for people in his type of position at that level, looking mm -hmm. after like a huge company and so much tech. And yeah, the, like the, the shift, because I guess it was so new to everybody, but just like I said, that, that scale, I can imagine that was just not only incredibly overwhelming, but also just like, where do you start? like yeah yeah having to have a colleague do a video tour of the old office so he's yeah. got a clue of what's what's there because you've never been able to set foot on it and all of a sudden you're moving and that's something i hadn't really kind of considered like we moved offices during during companies there must have been so many organizations that kind of were moving to new premises and people that were like oh we're moving to new premises they never even went to the old one yeah i know it's crazy isn't it it's um yeah i don't know like you think it's um it's one of those things where you just think you wouldn't ever have to do that and it sounds really ridiculous but mm. i guess for him if you're starting a new role it, you know it's sort of um before the pandemic you'd imagine you would just go to the office you get to know all your colleagues in like a completely normal way but yeah i mean things like that just having to sort of make video calls it just shows like how we can adapt which is obviously great but um mm. yeah just something that we thought we'd never have to do I like that he mentions about human factors as well, because we've said it time and time again with different guests that no matter how 
capable technology is. And this rings through the whole thing that, that this is about um, managing technology growth in proportion with the firm, that it's about the ambitions of the firm, that it's proportionate, that it's it's helping staff. It talks a lot about the challenging market and how technology can help staff to enjoy their roles. That human factor comes through so, so strongly in what he's saying. And I just think as well, like, as you've said there, that putting the emphasis on people enjoying their roles, if you've constantly got all these different issues with your tech and it's, you know, it's just a way more sort of complex way of doing things, you know, the fact that they can automate things and just make it so much easier and allow you to actually do your job that you want to do, um, I'm sure like on a day-to-day perspective, it does make it much more enjoyable. And I think he mentioned something around, um, you know, the kind of the practice and some of the exams as well and how they've been able to automate some of those um, sort of documents that you have to read ahead of the exams. I mean, that is, I don't know, I think it's a great idea because hopefully it'll get more people into this profession. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just Like you said, he really seemed to have like a genuine kind of care when he was sort of saying about it. It wasn't just very much like about the technology. He had the the people at like the, the forefront of that. I think it's really kind of, it's the first time that I've seen it through the lens of talent is so short and it's important that people f- enjoy their jobs, that this is about people enjoying their roles, that technology is there to help people enjoying enjoying themselves. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I just, um, you know, if your day is just really difficult, you know, made really difficult from the tech you're using or, you know, that you know that there's ways that it can be made a lot easier, but you don't have access to that. Um, the fact that obviously you know, they've introduced these new techs and, you know, this sort of new technology stack or they're, you know, like I said, automating things. Um, yeah, it just allows you to actually kind of crack on and do what you need to do and put those issues to the people who actually sort of know what they're talking about and have that sort of expertise to be able to deal with these things. Um, and I think that that's where we're sort of, I guess, kind of seeing a shift on our side as well. It's like people genuinely just want to, when you speak to sort of like you know people sort of who work with data quite a lot or um you know pure kind of out and out technologists there is a real kind of emphasis at the moment of they want to enjoy what they're doing they want to work with the latest technologies they want to be challenged and it's not just a case of sort of money or um you know the work-life balance or things that it might have used to have been there has been a real shift that people want to be engaged in what they're doing um and I think yeah he's sort of touched upon that and he's obviously sort of supporting with that in in what he does but yeah, I guess from, from from our side, um, definitely from the conversations we've had day to day, we see that so much more often that people want to work with the latest tech. It's exciting. It's innovative. It gives them some sort of like creative license in their role rather than just doing sort of the bog standards and just kind of going through the motions. And, and I think it's also kind of really interesting. He's talking about managing the growth in proportion to the firm investment in the team. Like we often think about, you know, tech's growing, tech's growing, tech's growing. Fine, but actually hearing someone talk about constraining investment to be proportionate. Yeah, do you know what I um again it's something I hadn't really thought of because I think we're always like what's next, what's what's next and, and you know the next big thing. But as you said, I think you have to do that, you know, in kind of a considered way to make sure that, you know, as the company grows, as you've said there, you're growing with that and it's not sort of one is outweighing the other. Um yeah, so again, it's something that you don't really think of, but it's good to sort no. of see see this through kind of a different sort of lens, really, and, and obviously get a, a different, you know, completely different take on things. Absolutely want to thank Alex for being our guest and uh, talking to us this week, um, because it's good to get it's good to get an enterprise, it's good to get a kind of a, a mid sized business who's going through this change and, and not necessarily a startup. So, really interesting perspective uh, to have this week.
We're going to switch focus though very quickly. Amber, uh, fundraising activities. Do you know much about Boycott Your Bed? Uh, I know. I really should say yes. I know a little bit um, about Boycott Your Bed, but I'm excited to hear Carolina's interview and obviously learn a bit more. Have you ever been asked to do it? Do you know what? I probably have slept in worse places, Dave, um, than outside. Um, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, no, I um, I haven't signed up. I actually should, to be fair. I, I think it's a great cause. It's a really yeah. great, um, you know, a great sort of event that they're putting on as well. Well, look, rather than us two kind of rambling on about it, we'll hand over to Carolina, who can explain a little bit more about Boy Got Your Bed. Uh, there will be links to the team's efforts in the show notes and links through to the Action for Children website, so you can find out more about what this is. Amber, thank you very much for your time today. No worries. Cheers, Dave. So, Carolina, you're joining me now. Uh, you are a board member for Bite Night, representing Nash Squared. Or is it Harvey Nash or Nash Squared you're representing? Let, let's let's get that right, first of all. We're representing Harvey Nash. Harvey, Harvey Nash, Nash one of the brands. As well, yes. So there's Even that. though you live in Newcastle, you're representing the South. <laughs> I know, very controversial. But, yeah, I ah. am representing the South. So there's a bit of competition between south and north so um, in intercompany yeah. competition to anyone listening but look uh for, for people who are listening going what on earth are they on about what's boycott your bed um so boycott your bed is an annual um sleep out organized by action for children um so action for children are an amazing charity that do great work with vulnerable children uh, across the country and every year they put on this event um which Harvey Nash have been participating in for over 15 years, I believe it is. Um, and where basically teams from across the country join together um, and sleep out basically in a location. This time, I think it's um, central London somewhere. Um, they give up the beds alongside other organisations. So so it could be, I, I've done this in previous years, but obviously with the pandemic, there was a little bit of disruption to how they did this. But, you know, it's been a, a kind of um, areas that are fenced off for safety, obviously, but, yeah. um, but kind of next to Tower Bridge or along the Thames or something. And you are exposed to the elements. If it rains, you're going to get wet. Yes, that's right. That's right. I mean, I think um, I think there is tents, and you know everybody is is kept safe and and warm. Um, you know, um, every, everybody's looked after. But yeah, if if it, if it rains, you will get wet. That's true. Well, I suppose it's that small insight into how hard it can be. You know, the the, the ground is hard and cold. It is not comfortable. You do not get a good night's sleep. And whilst it is, as you're saying, everyone is kept safe for obvious reasons. Um, that small insight into how difficult it can be for people in very vulnerable positions and doing something uncomfortable. I mean, it's a fun evening uh, in terms of prior to going out and, and lots of fundraising opportunities, yeah. but I suppose, you know, it does hit home how just how challenging it must be for people who are in those circumstances where they, they don't have that safety net around them. Yes, certainly. I, I never realised you took part, David, so, so that's brilliant. But Oh, many years. I've done six of them. Six of them. Wow. Okay. Definitely. But I've never been a board member. You've never been a board member. So <laughs> there's always next year. There's always next year. <laughs> <laughs> How many people are doing it this year with, with, with you? So we've got um, 14 people that have joined for uh, Harvey Nash South. I'm not sure about the yep. uh, Harvey Nash North numbers, but uh, but that's that's the amount we've got um, this year, which is which is brilliant, really. I think it's amazing that you're doing it. Um, as I said, I wanted to get you on to talk about it a little bit as a current board member and because you are about to um 
partake in the event. Um, as as we have said, I, I've done it for a number of years in the past. It is for a really brilliant cause. Um, if someone wanted to find out more information, if someone wanted to see how any sponsorship money, and we will put a link to the team in the show yeah. notes of the podcast, but if someone wanted to see how that money goes towards helping somebody, um, where would you direct them to go? Um, I mean, there's there's plenty of um, information, I would say, online. I mean, Action for Children are doing a great job with updating um, the public on what they do in day-to-day. I mean, their LinkedIn is is brilliant. Boycott Your Bed has an actual LinkedIn site um, where you can see all of the updates in terms of the money raised, what the different teams doing. Um, but also, I believe they, they will be posting about where the money will be going in the future. So um, if you want to be updated, I would I would certainly recommend um, having, look, having a look at the social posts. Mm-hmm. Well, look, thanks for your time. Good luck. Good luck to all, all 14 of you. I hope it's a good evening and I hope you raise lots and lots of money for this fabulous course. Thanks so much, David. Thanks for your help.